comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Now without that chalky aftertaste. So, Brad, in in just one minute, that is my explanation of the entire Dune saga by Frank Herbert. Does that make sense to you? That one minute made more sense to me than anything I've ever seen on film from Dune. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. you know, it, it's really a simple story. It's just so simple. And uh, I am so glad that Bill's not here to correct us right now. <laughs> Brad, where is Bill right now? Uh, Bill does this thing with Oklahoma football uh, mm-hmm. during football season, and uh, I believe he's uh, in Oklahoma working the OU game. He's been doing that for years and years, and he's an Oklahoma guy at heart. He loves Texas, but Oklahoma is probably his number one because that's where he was uh, raised and lived for a long time. So he's doing his football thing, and he loves it. So we miss him, but uh, we'll we'll actually hear from Bill Later in the episode, he sent us a uh, sound file for us to edit into the program. And uh, did you listen to that, by the way? Yes, I did. And in fact, uh, I think that would be a good way for us to kind of end our side and then let it roll and let Bill take us out. Because he does, uh, I believe he he does give us a goodbye at the end. He does. He he actually um, says what we always say at the end of the episode. So, yes, that will be that will be perfect. And. Just for the record, I wholeheartedly agree with everything Bill says about the topic in which he discusses. Oh, so you've seen it? Oh yes, it's, okay. Uh, I'm very. I'm a big fan. Uh, I can't. Uh, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to spill the beans here, but uh, I, I can tell you this much: I haven't seen it. It looks interesting, but uh, you know, uh, I've cut the cord, so I don't have HBO until Game of Thrones comes on. Then, uh, right. then, then I'll get HBO Go. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm, good. I'm selective with. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about an HBO program, but uh, I'm selective with uh, when I pay for HBO. Yeah. Like you, I'll I won't pay for it year round. I'll I'll do it a few months at a time. Okay. So, uh, as of this recording, we are what uh, a week away, less than a week away from the opening of the brand new movie Venom. Yes. Is that right? So, Starring Tom Harding and what could only be described as the new Spider-Man universe, I guess. Is that what we're saying? Um, they're calling it... I think they're calling it the Sony Marvel Universe because, uh, you know, the Spider-Man movies are, are shared with the Marvel Universe, but then they're also going to do some 
movies that are in their own universe, like Venom, and I think there was a Black Cat movie in the works for a while, but they plan on doing... Oh, there's also a Morbius movie in the works. Morbius the Living Vampire. So they're, right. they're all in the same universe, and the Sony people consider them to be in the same universe as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it's kind of like an offshoot. An adjunct is the word I think I read. It's an adjunct universe, but it's all connected. So do you think, because there have been rumors that, uh, uh, not I was going to say Tobey Maguire, um, that Tom Harding uh, will show up at the very end? You mean Tom Holland? Oh, I'm sorry, Tom Holland, yeah, the current Spider-Man. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. If I was to put some money on it, I would say no. Uh, um, would, you would, want to, no. Would, you, would you want to see him in the, in the movie? Yeah, I would definitely want to see um, our new Spider-Man show up at the end of this movie. I think that would be awesome. Um, I have a problem with this movie in general, but you know, that's because I'm such a huge Spider-Man fan, and we'll get into that. But um, tell me about the first time you ever heard of Venom or your ex- exposure to that character or the black Spider-Man suit or, or whatever. So, um, at the time when Spider-Man got the black suit, I was reading more DC and I wasn't an avid comic book reader. So, uh, I had a friend who, as it was happening, was kind of telling me, Hey, here's what's happening. Spider-Man got a new suit. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then it wasn't until probably the nineties that I really started to learn who Venom was <clears throat> And he seemed like like a cool enough character, but he's never really been on my radar uh, up until probably Spider-Man 3 was when I first got my real taste of him, who was played by Topher Grace. And, um, you know, overall, I know that movie isn't great, but I think the only reason it's not great is just because there's so much going on in it. I mean, there's three bad guys in the movie, and I feel like if it had just been either Sandman or had been uh, Venom, it, it would have been a much better movie. But um, uh, I thought it was kind of a, a really interesting character. And then, you know, since then, I've seen some animated cartoons with uh, with Venom in him and stuff. And, he, and he's definitely a, an interesting character to me. Um, and... What I understand about this movie is that there, there's a storyline called about the Life Foundation, which I guess it's based on. Do you know much about that storyline, Brad? That doesn't sound familiar to me uh, okay. as far as from a Spider-Man story standpoint. Now, Venom has had his own comics for quite a long time, and I, didn't, I haven't read all of them. Um, so it's quite possible that that, that was involved in a, in a Venom comic book in the past, but I really don't know. Now, we do know that uh, Venom will not be sporting the white Spider-Man symbol in this movie um, because at this point in the this movie's storyline continuity of the as far as the Venom symbiote is concerned, it's never encountered Peter Parker Spider-Man, so it wouldn't have taken on the Spider-Man costume look because it's never been involved with Peter Parker. It's just bypassed him and gone to Eddie Brock. So that's why in the story, we're not going to see the white symbol. Venom has been drawn in the past with just kind of like white um, lightning, for lack of a better word, a lightning shape 
type of design, white squiggles all over his body, and I think we may see some of that, but there will be no white Spider-Man. So I don't know how much from the comics they're actually going to draw. Well, you know, now, now that you say that, I uh, I completely missed that point. That, yeah, he has never bonded with Spider-Man. So, wow, that makes it really different. Yeah, and that therein lies my entire problem with this movie. Um, let me just give a brief history of Venom for somebody who's not familiar with it. The first thing we ever see in the comic books is as far as Venom is concerned, is actually during the Secret Wars, um, Secret Wars miniseries back in ni- 1984. Do you remember what issue it was? Uh, number eight. That's right. Uh, Spider-Man. Part, the, some of the superheroes and supervillains were taken from Earth and put on this thing called Battle World that a, a being called the Beyonder created because he was fascinated with the idea of good and evil. Spider-Man's costume got ripped Previously, Thor had injured his hurt his hammer or something, and he got it fixed. And Spider Man's like, "Where'd you get? How'd you fix that?" And he's like, "Down the hall, there's this machine that's pretty awesome." Versus, verily, I say unto thee. And then, so Spider Man goes in there and starts thinking about needing a new costume. And boom, all of a sudden, this black stuff appears on his hand and crawls up his arm. And before we know it, it's covered his body, and it's a new black and white costume. So that's what. That's the first time we ever saw this. Then we come to find out that this black costume is actually a, a sim, uh, uh, an alien being of, of sorts. And the, it, it formed a bond eventually with Spider-Man and it wanted to be permanent with him. Spider-Man rejected it. Meanwhile, Eddie Brock, uh, had been, uh, lost all credibility as a journalist because during the 1985 Sin Eater storyline, he reported that the Sin Eater was actually somebody that it wasn't. Spider-Man proved him wrong and it destroyed his credibility as a reporter. So he had anger towards Spider-Man, Peter Parker. When uh, Spider-Man rejected the symbiote, the symbiote felt that same rejection, anger towards Peter Parker. It sensed it in Eddie Brock the two of them joined and became what is now known as Venom and had a mat on for Spider-Man for years and years and years. So that's how Venom came to be. And he has all the powers of Spider-Man. He does not set off Spider-Man's spider sense. In fact, uh, a couple of years before uh, Venom ever made his first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man number 299, there was a couple of episodes, a couple of issues of Web of Spider-Man that happened in previous years where some mysterious something or another, put like somebody pushed Peter Parker out in front of a subway train and his spider sense didn't go off. And then uh, it, it happened again in the later issue of Web of Spider-Man. Something grabbed him without his spider sense. So it had been, Venom had been around. They had been planning this for a while. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't either until I just did this research because I don't I was young when I read all this and I was reading all this stuff, but I just don't remember those those two instances. Um, By the way, the idea of a new costume change. Let me read this so I can get it right. 
the original idea of a new costume for Spider-Man that would later become the character Venom was conceived by a Marvel Comics reader from Norwich, Illinois named Randy Schuler. In 1982, Jim Shooter, Marvel's editor-in-chief at the time, sent Schuler a letter acknowledging Marvel's interest in the idea, which they ended up purchasing from Randy for $220. <laughs> so he wrote in, and Randy wrote in a letter to Marvel and said something about wanting a new costume, kind of sent him an idea. Long story short, they ended up deciding this would be a good idea, so they bought basically bought the rights permission from this guy to pay him 220 and now here he's now they're making movies about him selling millions of comic books isn't that crazy that is that's kind of crazy i i'm imagining that this was probably a kid and 220 dollars was probably like close to a million dollars for him (laughs) oh heck yeah heck yeah yeah big time so the whole thing with with venom is that he hates spider-man because Eddie Brock hated Spider-Man and the symbiote was rejected by Spider-Man. And so that's where that, that Spider-Man-ness comes from that's involved with Venom. And here in this new movie coming out, all that's gone. So I don't understand why this movie's going to appeal to me because Spider-Man's not involved at all. It just seems like they're leaving out a very essential part of Venom. And I don't know how it's going to work you know for for me it feels like um you know um, all stories have a have a story arc where where you always root for for the good guy and there's always exceptions to that of course um but uh this one it it's just like i i don't know who i'm supposed to root for because it seems like like uh the symbiote is is like animalistic and just I don't know if it's evil or if it's just nature, but I mean, he's got to balance his new, um, his new way of thinking with Eddie Brock, who I kind of get the impression that Eddie Brock seems to be kind of a, a good guy a little bit. Like he, he's just down on his luck and he's just trying to make ends meet. So missing that Peter Parker, Parker angle that you mentioned, um, that seemed to change things quite a bit. Yeah. It, based on what I've seen on the trailer, it does look like Eddie Brock is frightened, like he doesn't welcome the the symbiote. Memory serves, you know, Eddie Brock was all about combining with the symbiote because they both hated Spider-Man so much. And uh, so this is going to be, this will be a very different take. You know, recently I said I'd um, gone back and started listening to a bunch of our old episodes. Right. We talked about Spider-Man 3 right after it came out. Do you remember how much we oohed and awed about that movie? No, we liked it. Frank, we <laughs> loved it. We loved it. We went on and on about how great that movie was. And we did say that it had some issues. There was a couple of things we didn't like. It wasn't as good as the previous two Spider-Man movies. But we spoke very highly about it. And I've seen it a few times since then. And you know what? I, if I'd have known better, I would have sworn we had been drinking before we recorded that show. But I know for a fact we, we hadn't been. It's not an awful, awful, awful movie. But it's not great. But, Frank, we liked it. We talked about how much we liked it. 
And you know what? That that may have been. This is just my my theory on it. But you know, uh, superhero movies were still uh, kind of a rarity then. And just to see anything on the screen uh, of that caliber was just fun and exciting. And and so uh, maybe that had something to do with it. But you know, in this day and age, where you know we get two or three superhero movies a year, and you can look back on it on those early movies. Yeah, I can see uh, see how maybe at the time we were just like, uh, oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah, it, it, I think I think there's some truth to that, um, you know, and when you're younger, you know, OK, it's only been what, 10, 11 years that we yeah, were younger. Not, uh, but still, seven is what my IMDb says. But still, we were younger and a little more optimistic about life. And like you said, not a lot of superhero movies under our belt. And to be honest, seeing Venom on screen when he was doing his Venom thing was pretty awesome. And they they got the whole Eddie Brock thing right in that movie as far as his hatred of Spider-Man. Because the same thing happened... Um. I think there was a. I think in the movie though he faked a picture. I think Eddie Brock faked a picture instead of he wasn't a reporter, but he was a photographer. That's right. And I think you're right. He faked a picture, and Spider-Man or Peter Parker proved that it was a fake, and so he ended up hating Spider-Man. I remember distinctly from that movie when Topher Grace goes into the church and gets on his knees and he starts praying. He asks he asks God to please kill Peter Parker. I remember that, and then. Peter Parker was up in the bell tower and the bell was ringing and the symbiote costume doesn't like sound. They got all that right. It hates sound and fire. So they did all that right. It, it left Peter Parker's body because the bell was ringing. It dripped onto Eddie Brock. All of that was great. And that's the way it should have been. I was real happy about that. And maybe just because that was perfect made me, you know, forgive the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. But uh, I still can't unsee emo Spider-Man walking down the, <laughs> dancing down the sidewalk, looking at the ladies and pointing and stuff. Yeah, that was that was pretty bo- pretty bad. And as far as I know, uh, the Venom symbiote never did that to Peter Parker. Never made him uh, a douchey. Th- yeah, it didn't give him a different personality <laughs> or something. Um, a couple of interesting things that we've learned recently about the Venom. Uh, costume the black symbiote was that uh, it when when Peter first got it it he would wake up tired all the time and it was because while he was sleeping the costume would control Peter's body and take it out for swinging and fight bad guys while Peter was asleep oh that's right yeah, yeah, how do you say it? That reminds me. And then there's a new Venom series out in which we learned that Peter Parker's Venom symbiote was not the actual first symbiote to ever get to Earth. The ven- the the symbiote alien was part of a it is a part of a race of beings known as the the Klintar, K L Y N T A R. And without going into a lot of the backstory, there were other aliens that made it to Earth 
and S.H.I.E.L.D. found one of them and created a bunch of basically symbiote soldiers back in the in like the Vietnam War. So oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all coming out of the new Venom uh, comic that's about five or six issues in. And uh, the Venom symbol that has looked like a spider for so long, turns out it's actually a combination of a spider and a dragon. And the dragon comes from the lore of the this Klintar race. And Spider-Man, uh, I'm sorry, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and Venom were fighting a bad guy up in a plane. And, or maybe, no, it was up in the, actually, it was in the belly of the dragon, and the dragon started flying away. It was flying out to space. Venom was unconscious. Eddie Brock was unconscious. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, tore a hole in the belly of the of the dragon and threw him out into, you know, like falling to earth. Uh-huh. And he was trying, he was trying to wake Eddie Brock up and he finally woke up and they're both like, Oh crap, we're going to die. Why did you do this? And miles was like, would you rather like go into space in the belly of a dragon of a space dragon? Or would you like to wake up and <laughs> make a, like a web parachute and save us both? And he goes, I don't know how to do that. And Spider-Man's like, I don't know how to do that either. And, the costume goes, hang on, Eddie, I got this. Mm-hmm. He's talk- He talks to Eddie. They talk to each other. He goes, hang on, Eddie, I got this. Grab the kid and, and brace yourself. So he did, and then it sprouted wings like the, like the dragon. So And then it floated. It flew down to Earth safely. So there's a lot going on. It sounds ridiculous, kind of, but it's actually really well done in this book. It's adding a lot to the backstory of Venom. And the race of symbiotes that have already been long explored in, in past past comics about like there was a bunch of symbiotes, you know, there's uh, carnage and there's toxin and there's all these other crazy symbiotes. But it all turns out they're all part of the same race of being called the Clintar. So okay. anyway, well, cool. Um, you know, Brad, if you remember a couple of years ago, I, I was actually at Half Price Books. And I found a copy of Secret Wars number eight, which I has, remember. Uh, yeah, and it has a uh, has Spider Man in the black costume, and he's right. standing there. He's kind of doing jazz hands too. <laughs> yeah, I think he's freaking out. He's yeah. freaking out because um, he's got this new costume. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy pose, but uh, I ended I up, used to have that issue. Oh, really? Do yeah, you still have it, have it, or or you got rid of it? I think I sold it when I sold my collection. Okay. Um, I mean, it was one of the gems in it, so I didn't want to take a gem out and and not lower the... I mean, I didn't want to, like, lose money, so I just... Oh, yeah, yeah. But I had been looking for it and looking for it, and it's very expensive everywhere I look. Uh, but if so, memory serves, you got a deal. Yeah, I found it for, like, seven bucks, and it was in pretty good... It wasn't in mint, but it was in very good condition. Anyway, I just snapped it up. And probably about two years later, uh, I ended up selling it for close to seventy dollars. Uh, I put it in a picture frame and gave it a nice red mat. And uh, wow, and I, yeah, and I ended up uh, selling it for like seventy bucks. I was excited on on eBay. Uh, actually, on Craigslist, I didn't do. Oh, wow. I, I didn't do uh, eBay because I didn't want to have to bother with packing it and insuring it. And sure, 
and stuff. So, uh, I, you know, I probably could have sold it a lot faster on eBay, but uh, I wasn't in a hurry. Anyway, the kind of cool story about it was uh, I met this kid. She was probably around 20, 21, and she was with her dad. And she had just discovered comic books like about a year ago. Yeah. And... Like, she was just gobbling them up, and she was just like, this is so cool. Like, I'm getting into it. And so she had been checking out Craigslist and eBay for deals and stuff like that. And when she saw mine, uh, she just was like, I got to have that. And so she bought it, and uh, I had told her 70 bucks, but because she had so much enthusiasm, I gave, I sold it to her for 60 because. Aww. Uh, just because she was super excited. She was asking me about where there were conventions. And I told her about all the local ones. And, you know, the, uh, um, she had researched so much on comic books and stuff that she knew just about everything you need to know about living here in Dallas and conventions mm -hmm. and stuff. So uh, she was just hungry for more. She was asking me about where's comic book stores and stuff. And everyone I told her, she goes, oh, I've been there. And so she kind of... <laughs> It was it was great to see that much enthusiasm. I love seeing uh, a, a young person. We're talking like we're old. Yeah, you're fifty now, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll be fifty next year, and we, we sound like old men. But um, it's neat seeing somebody with that much enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, a younger person for for comics. Well, she was she was definitely uh you know on the older side of being younger because uh, she said she had been uh she had to wait till she got off work and she had been saving money and she uh, she came with her dad just to be safe and uh, and she had been saving her money to uh, to buy it because she had contacted me about maybe two weeks before and uh, and I said yeah sure um, because no one had had reached out to buy it. You know, it's just sitting there on Craigslist. But um, uh, she goes, well, well can, can you hold on to it? And I go, nobody, you know, I'll hold on to it until someone else <laughs> comes up with, with the money or, or right. stuff. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's yours. Just contact me and when you get the money. And she did, and we made it. She was so excited. Just like, uh, I'd like to think that's just like on her wall, and that's like her prized possession. Yeah, I hope she didn't take it out of the frame and all that. It sounds like you went to a lot of trouble to make it nice. Yeah, I did make it nice. Now, I did take it out just so she could look at it and make sure, you know, it wasn't a counterfeit or anything like that. But then she put, we put it back in there and stuff like that. And, and uh, I mean, you know, her enthusiasm went a long way. I mean, so much so that I just knocked down the price just because, I don't know, it made her happy. That's awesome. That's very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the movie, uh, about our expectations. I'll go first. Um, I am I'm hesitant about it. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say I'm I'm not going to go see it, but I will tell you this much: I will listen to the reviews, and if the reviews come back kind of mixed or boring, I'm not going to go see it right away. I'll probably go see it at some point because usually with superhero movies, I'm there first night. I'm there. The Thursday night they're on. Right. Uh, I'm definitely not doing that for this one, and I'll wait and hear from the reviews. Uh, I do not have high hopes. I don't think it's gonna. It doesn't sound interesting to me. But let's see. How about you? If I go see it, it'll be like the first showing on a day off or a Saturday morning, so I can get that early bird discount. Mm-hmm. You know. I'll pay $5 to see Venom. 
you know, but I'm not, I have zero hope for it. I'm too close to the source material, you know? Right. I do like Tom Hardy. I think he's great. And I'm interested to see his take on this whole thing. It's just, I don't know how it's going to work without the whole, I hate Peter Parker angle, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, there was uh, a time in Venom's life when he was a quote unquote lethal protector. He was a good guy and he fought bad guys. He just wasn't all obsessed of over killing Spider-Man. So maybe they're taking that route, that route, but we'll see. Okay. Hey, just a quick shout out to all the people, all the listeners who have responded to my request to let us know if you're listening. Uh, I know a handful of you have done that, and that really means a lot to know that you guys are out there listening. Thomas Linden, got to give a shout out to him because every time we put a new episode out, he says he sends a message or comments on the post. Time to get the mug out. And he, uh, <laughs> he, has, a, uh, he has a cup of joe with his half-hour wasted coffee mug. So thanks to everybody who's responded. Donnie Salvo uh, gave us a shout out. Lots of other people. Lucas King. I don't have the list in front of me, and I meant to do that, but... You know who you are, and we appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. Oh, I saw that uh, uh, you had that link on Facebook, uh, that Forrest. Oh, his last name escapes me, but Forrest had uh, had commented on what the best cartoon dog was. And um, Right. Mark <laughs> Antony, the big, the old brown Warner Brothers bulldog. Yeah. Who uh, The clip he sent us was uh, the bulldog just barking at a little kitten and the kitten not paying any attention to it. Right. And then the kitten climbing up on this massive mean bulldog and, and making a little bed on his back. And then the, uh, the bulldog just becoming smitten with the kitten. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. adorable. Yeah. That was pretty, that's a pretty good one for us. I'll give you that. I yeah. definitely will give you that. I had totally forgotten about that. I love those old Warner brothers cartoons. They're awesome. Yeah. All right, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Bill is not here. As you can tell, we stay on topic. Um, but he did send us an audio clip, so we're going to conclude this episode with that. And uh, he talks about uh, the TV show Barry on HBO. It's a very interesting show, and it's actually a well-organized, um, thought-out clip from Bill McGonnell. So... Hope you enjoy it. Frank, we'll see you next time. See you next time, Brad. Take it away, Bill. Okay, Brad, this is the part where you pitch to me like I'm a live correspondent out in the field. Hey, Frank. Hello, fellas. Yes, this is The Voice reporting to you from the highway in Oklahoma. Yes, I'm on a top-secret mission to go do things and go around and do stuff, but... In the meantime, I wanted to apologize for not being there in person, and so I've recorded this very important announcement for all of you, and it goes something like this. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Oh, I already did that. Um, uh, um, okay, one more time. In three, two, one. So have you seen this show on HBO called uh, Billy, wait, no, Barty, Bar, uh, Bar, Barry, yes, Barry. 
Okay, Brad, this is the part where you insert the uh, old state sound clip where Barry goes, Aw, yeah. And then throw in the clip about the 240 pounds of the pudding, okay? All right, thanks. Okay, all right. So this is a show that I've been watching recently, just picked up. I understand that we're getting close, uh, very close to its season two. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I should have uh, done some research before this uh, little topic. That's okay. You all don't rely on me for research. You rely on me for the hardcore, honest truth. Pure objective truth is that Barry... Everybody sit down for this. If you're not sitting down, sit down. If you're sitting down, maybe lay down. I'll give you three seconds. Oh, geez, squirrel. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, got distracted there. That was a little over three seconds. Um, woo! <laughs> Adrenaline is racing. Just had a squirrel uh, uh, run across the highway. Uh, anyway, so, uh, Barry... This is a show that feels like it's on the edge of being, and you know, I, I hate using nickel terms and hyperbole, but I really think that Barry is one of the greatest shows that I have seen in the last two or three years. Now, I don't know how many of you out there have seen Barry. I can probably keep this a fairly spoiler-free review kind of thing, and I will endeavor to. But I have always been one of those that I, I dig Bill Hader. I've always been amused by Bill Hader. But you know how people in the Beatles, you know, or people like the Beatles, they're like, oh, I'm a George guy, or I'm a Ringo guy, or I'm a, you know, I'm a, 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 a Preston guy, or, you know, uh, whatever uh, that is. Um, this is a show where Bill Hader has become someone that I didn't think he could be acting-wise. He is a funny, funny son-of-a-gun guy. And it's interesting that he gets to do a lot of the, uh, the black humor because it's not just a black humor show, and there is plenty of that. Uh, it feels very much like the first season of uh, Breaking Bad. And, you know, that's not a spoiler alert thing right there. Brad, insert the spoiler alert, uh, uh, master shake sound effect, uh, do it right here, do it right now, thank you. But Bill Hader is a, not a chameleon in this show, but he has an, a pretty incredible range that I don't think you get from many Saturday Night Live alum. Um, the cast is a bunch of uh, relative unknowns with one notable exception. The co-star in this is The Fonz, who my daughter Zoe refers to not as Henry Winkler, but only as The Fonz. I find that funny. So the basic setup is this. Bill Hader is a hitman. He is a former soldier who is apparently very good at his job, serving uh, tours in Afghanistan, etc., etc. Uh, upon his return home, this all happens well before our story picks up in season one, ep one. Uh, he comes home and finds that uh, he is kind of steered into the life of a hitman 
by a friend of his father's who has now kind of become his de facto manager, uh, quote unquote. And, uh, this guy is played by, um, uh, oh my gosh, Stephen, uh, the guy from the office. Uh, uh, I was premised that I would get my swing lane stapler back. Uh, that guy, um, why do I want to say Stephen Dorf? That's the guy from Blade. It'd <laughs> be crazy to say that. Anyway, uh, to get back on track. So he gets home and he has become an, uh, an assassin who has become very, very bored. And his life is, is becoming full of ennui over this whole uh, uh, killing people for money thing. His excuse um, or, or justification, I guess, is that he only says that he kills the bad people. And that's more something that is his spoken code than something that you necessarily see in the series. Uh, it really plays with darkness and light uh, in, a, in a way that feels very, very edgy. Um, and I mean, kind of close to the edge uh, in, in that way. Um, but he has a job that ends up taking him to observe someone who goes in an acting class. He gets tired of, of waiting outside uh, in his car, you know, doing the stakeout thing. And he goes into said acting class. Henry Winkler is the instructor of this acting class. And of course, this is in Los Angeles. Uh, there are, uh, you know, starlets and stars uh, in the making uh, all over his class, probably about uh, 12 other students. He ends up becoming enraptured with it and decides that he wants to stop being an assassin and become an actor. Now, of course, you can see that this comes with many, many, many problems because the job of an assassin is to stay as anonymous as possible. The job of an actor is to become as famous as possible. So right there, just even structurally, like the universe says, here's this is just math, is that these two jobs are not going to mesh well. Uh, the characters... Uh, most of the characters, uh, the classmates, are B-list, except for uh, the blonde, who has a really interesting arc. And I'm sorry, I should have said this at the very start. Uh, um, I have not seen the final eighth episode. All right? Okay? There? Uh, so I actually don't know how the first season ends. Uh, my bad. I've seen uh, seven of the eight episodes, and the show again, like Breaking Bad, and it, I think it's it's kind of difficult to consider this show without knowing that it, if it doesn't stand on the shoulders of Breaking Bad, it was certainly inspired uh, by it. Uh, if, at the very, very least, uh, the creator of this show watched Breaking Bad. I think we can say that for sure. Uh, it just has a very uh, character on the edge of going all falling down, Michael Douglas. Um, and you're kind of wondering, uh, you know, which way, you know, he's balancing right now and which way is he eventually going to fall? And you see, uh, uh, good signs and very, very bad signs, uh, in almost every episode. Uh, I don't think there's a, a bad ep in the bunch. Uh, you might, you might think that episodes three or four, maybe, uh, uh they drag a bit kind of because you're over the honeymoon phase and, you know, now you've got to kind of downshift and get back up to speed kind of thing. Um, but, uh, 
it is a consistently surprising show in what they do with the uh, the plot devices. Uh, the characters are all characters. Oh my god! Um, a couple of my favorite characters. Um, I love Taylor, and I love uh, Nogagain, which is a Chechen assassin uh, played by the dude who plays Victor Zaz in Gotham. It's tremendous. And he is hilarious. Uh, he is, uh, again, they take all of these characters and you start out with an expectation of them. And in some ways, it's almost red herring that they justify that expectation uh, of them, that knee-jerk response to what you think you're going to get. Uh, and then they twist almost all of these perceptions of almost every character in ways that you don't suggest. There are a few characters that remain constants in this show. Uh, I think uh, Henry Winkler is one. He's uh, he's not really on a, a you know a character arc. You know, uh, uh, do a little uh, personal. Uh, uh, okay, Brad, uh, insert the uh, sound clip of Stewie uh, talking to uh, Brian about uh, the book he's going to write about how he how he goes on like on a personal experience. You know, uh, from uh, point A to point B, maybe learn some self about the way. Okay, thanks, thanks, Brad. <coughs> oh my God, a dog! Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, a dog just ran across the highway. Um, so anyway, uh, the evolution of almost all the characters is uh, kind of stunned me like a mastodon, considering they can do all of this in a mere seven episodes to this point. Um, cannot wait for the eighth episode. Uh, I promised my daughter that I would wait until Monday to watch it with her. Hi, Zoe. How you doing? Um, so anyway, uh, you guys should all go out and uh, if you want, uh, check out Barry. Um, there is, uh, as far as the parents go, what should you know? Uh, language is pervasive. Um, uh, there's some skin. Uh, I think the, the most, the biggest uh, chunk I could think of is uh, actually in the, uh, the the Chechen's lair where there are a number of uh, posters of women in states of various uh, undress. And um, uh, killing, oh yes, yes, it's it's quite, uh, uh, it's not Sam Peckinpah-esque, but uh, um, it's, it's good Breaking Bad halfway to Tarantino, you know, uh, uh, plenty of good uh, cartoony yet realistic uh, violence and uh, blood and stuff in this. Um, Anyway, so uh, I dare all of you to go watch Barry and uh, let me know what you think um, at uh, turge at halfhourwasted.com. And I believe that's spelled T-E-R-G-E at halfhourwasted.com. Even though with great respect, uh, I always thought the correct spelling of my son's uh, uh, first nickname was T-U-R-G-E. Maybe we can get that uh, corrected. Anyway, uh, with that... Back to you guys. Oh, um, uh, read comic books, everybody. And um, uh, Marvel Unlimited is a gas. And uh, um, thank you, uh, uh, Limp Biscuit. Peace, everybody.